So one way to think of what life is about is you could say life is about reality and response. Reality and response. Every day, we come across that which is before us, and then we have to respond to that which we come across, to those various realities. So for example, the reality of the alarm clock demands a response every morning. What is the appropriate response to the alarm clock when it goes off? Snooze. That's absolutely right. Is there anyone among us here who just turns it off and gets straight out of bed? I bet there's a few. Oh, look at you guys. We just just pray for the rest of us, okay? We just need your, some of your anointing for that. Um, but most of us, the, the appropriate response is snooze. Um, there's the... Uh, I, I, was, I was thinking that maybe some of you were wishing uh, there would be a snooze button on those bouncing alarm clocks that come in at like 4 a.m. on Wednesday morning, but it's not going to happen. You're going to have to jump out of bed in that moment uh, on Christmas Day. Um, there is uh, the potential reality later that day of opening a present of something that you're not particularly excited about. Uh, that's the reality, maybe socks or whatever. That, what is the appropriate response in that moment? Yeah, 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 exactly. Unbridled joy and gratitude for this amazing gift that you've been waiting for. We don't encourage lying in this church, but I think that's, that's, a, that's, an, that's an okay response. And then later in that day, you may have to deal with the reality of Brussels sprouts. A few excited reactions. What is the appropriate reaction to Brussels sprouts? It's to get a spoon and to scoop them onto the plate of the person next to you. Or maybe if you're dreaming big, if you've got a bigger vision than that, maybe you saw this article uh, on the BBC News website where it says, huge Brussels sprout spill after trailer crash in Rosyth. Someone there had a plan, didn't they? They they, they dreamed big and they thought, we're going to deal with this Brussels sprout issue. By the way, who knew that it was Brussels sprout? Did anyone, is it just me that didn't know that? I thought it was Brussels sprout. That's, okay, so uh, there you go. Are they from Brussels? Let's move on. Okay, let's get that. Let's just get on. So uh, you can take that down, John. Uh, they just look horrible, don't they? You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the scene from Back to the Future where Beth falls in the, the, the crate of manure. That's what, that's what Brussels sprouts look like, people. So when you're enjoying them on Wednesday, you can think of that scene. Anyway, seriously, take it down. Okay, reality and response. So more seriously, this is, this is where we live. Um, this week, we will be confronted by various realities. And the sobering thing is none of us actually know what they are yet. I mean, we, we have some idea what some of us are, are dealing with, but we don't know what could come our way. And, and sometimes we can choose a response to that which we are encountered with, or sometimes that response will just happen without us even thinking about it. Well, in this Advent season, we have been pondering the reality as it is laid out in the scriptures of what God has done in sending his son into this world. That's what we've been thinking about. And the question this morning is, what will our response be to that reality? And I'd I'd love us to to look at the story in Luke chapter 2 at some realities that were encountered by the shepherds in the field outside uh, Bethlehem. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. So if, if you don't have a Bible, there's some at the back on the shelves. We'd really encourage you to get one. The, the verses will come up on the screen, but sometimes I think it's good to either follow along on a Bible in front of you or on an app, just because it helps. You know, sometimes with the words on the screen, it can be a little passive. It's good to dig in, good to look. So we'd encourage you 
to, to do that, when I say Luke chapter 2, the chapter numbers are the big numbers. And when I say verse, those are the little numbers there. Uh, but please feel free uh, to, to, to grab a Bible, and it's about that far back. Uh, if you don't know, then you can find your way there. Luke's a pretty big book, so you'll, you'll find it. And uh, let's just, uh, we're going to read this passage um, as we go, and, and we're just going to see some of what the shepherds encounter And we're going to see how they respond to that and how God might be speaking to us in that this morning. So let's just pick it up in Luke chapter 2 from verse 8. And in the same region, that is the region of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. So this is just after Jesus has been born. And talk about a reality to be confronted with. Picture the scene. This was just one of their normal nights. Maybe some of them had gone for a sleep. They would tend to have done various watches of the night and taken little shifts. Maybe some of them had gone for a sleep. Others were just chatting or were keeping an eye out for potential danger. They're in the dark, the pitch dark. And you remember, your eyes can adjust in that scenario to the darkness around you so you can see better, adjusted to the low light. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this light shines I think it's okay to describe it as light. It's it's actually the glory of the Lord that shines forth. But we know in other parts of the Bible that that there's a a physical light element to that. It would have been bright and incredible. The glory of God shines. God breaks into this dark world. And can you imagine the contrast here in this moment for these shepherds out in this field outside Bethlehem? Imagine how it would have shaken them. Imagine how it would have woken them up. Imagine how it would have startled them. It's no small reality when the glory of God shines forth. Now, what is the glory of God? Well, we looked three weeks ago at a number of passages that speak of the incredible power of the glory of God. And we remembered how, how Jesus came and, and made his home among us. And in Jesus doing that, that was like when the Old Testament people of Israel journeyed to the tabernacle, that tent where they would encounter the cloud of God's presence that they were so overwhelmed with. Jesus is the one through whom we, we can encounter the glory of God. It says the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. The, the simplest sort of definition I've heard of what the glory of God is, is this, the public manifestation of the holiness of God. Even, even more concise, the glory of God is the holiness of God gone public gone public. So the holiness of God is who he is at the very essential core of his being, what he is, that he is perfectly pure, perfectly just, perfectly righteous, perfectly loving, perfectly gentle, perfectly wise. This beautiful reality of the character of God is his holiness and the glory of God is when that character is displayed in the world. 
So we see this perhaps most clearly in Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember the seraphim say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now you might expect to hear holiness, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his holiness. But the point is that when the, the holiness of God is expressed publicly in the world, that is the glory of God. And here it is in Luke chapter 2 on a dark night revealed alongside an angel blazing forth in what had been a cold pitch black night in a random field outside Bethlehem. The glory of God shines forth. What a reality to be confronted by. But friends, what about us? Is this our reality too? Do we see God's glory? And if so, how does that come about? I mean, let's be honest. It's not usually as dramatic as this. Maybe some of us have had moments where we felt in the presence of the blazing glory of God. But, but this is a pretty unique moment by definition, right? It's there in the Bible in, in this incredible unfolding story. But God's glory still shines today. Yes, it does. That going public of who God is, we can see God's glory. And the Bible says that we can see it in lots of ways. So here's a few ways that we can see God's glory. Here's a few ways that you can be confronted by the reality of the glory of God, even today, even this week. So we, we are pointed to the reality of the glory of God when we look at this beautiful world around about us. I mean, look out there. Look out there. And just think of the complexity of every single leaf or every single blade of grass. And think about the infinite wonders as you look into the skies and what is beyond there. The the heavens are declaring the glory of God. So it's not that the, the leaf or the blade of grass is the glory of God. But it's pointing us to something of who this great God of ours is. This world speaks just something of the greatness of our God. So we see something of the glory of God there. We see, secondly... The glory of God most clearly in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the most beautiful passage. I read it all the time here, so I'm not going to read it again today. But, but we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, so most clearly, that is literally for us, as we read the Scriptures, not just Luke, but indeed the whole Scriptures which testify to, point to who Jesus is, we see the wonder of who God is. We get to see God made public in Jesus. We can see God's glory, thirdly, as we celebrate who He is in song and in prayer. If you have been tuning in, if by the Spirit He has been drawing you into His presence today, if you've been singing these words with all your heart, you have been acknowledging and wondering at the glory of God this morning. And as we come month by month, or more regularly perhaps, to the Lord's table, remembering and sharing in the the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we encounter the glory of God in what He's done for us there. And Next, we see God's glory in one another. We see God's glory in how his people give and serve and encourage and bless. So, for example, think back to last Sunday night. I know some of you were here at our Carols by Candlelight event. Let me tell you that God's glory shines forth in in the hours of setup 
that were taken on that Sunday afternoon and before that as well to get ready for that event. God's glory shines forth when a heartfelt welcome is extended in the name of Jesus Christ. God's glory shines forth in beautiful refreshments that are prepared with a heart of love that would bring glory to God and would seek the good of our neighbors around about us. God's glory shines forth in creative arrangements of hymns and songs that sound forth with music that points us to the sort of otherworldly yet intimate and and sort of transcendent but with us reality of who God is that we we felt that last week and that's we, we can see the glory of God in that we're seeing who God is and we're responding to that in that moment God's glory shines forth as the scriptures were read last Sunday night God's glory shines forth as brothers and sisters tell stories of how how God has been at work in their life and carried them through some of the most difficult realities imaginable and indeed just normal life. And we see God's glory as his people just live and breathe alongside us as they, for example, trust God through suffering. We see the reality that God is enough that's made public in that as we consider what we're going through as a church family. That is, that is testifying, that is making public, that is making knowable who God is in the stories of our brothers and sisters. And as we extend love and kindness to one another, as we, as we encounter God, know his grace, know his forgiveness, know his love, and then as we take that reality and share that, we're, we're going public with who God is, with his glory, just something of who he is. God's glory still shines forth today as it did in Luke chapter 2. That was their reality. What was their response? The glory of the Lord shone around them, verse 9, and they were filled with fear. When you're accustomed to the dark and God's glory shines brightly, it shakes you. It doesn't leave you in the same place. And maybe that's the case for some of us in this community of faith. may not be that God's glory is shining forth as a blazing bright light like this, but you know that God is real. You've seen some of who he is, and you begin to feel that reality pressing in on you, and it demands a response and, and often the first aspect of that response can be a sense of fear. What is going on? I thought I was in control of my life. I thought I was able to determine what was most important, what was most true, what was most real. I thought I was able to chart the path forward from here. What is this I'm encountering now of this great God who is way beyond me and my wildest dreams What is this? What will this mean for me? It feels like life might never be the same again. That's an unsettling reality. There are people in this church who know the truth of who Jesus is and even are are able to accept the reality of those truths but are struggling just to surrender to that reality because we like to be in we like to feel in control not in any sort of toxic kind of evil way but we just like to be able to manage our own affairs right that's what we're brought up to do 
in this world, and then we're encountered by something altogether different from us. God's glory, the public manifestation of who he is, impacts us, and we think, whoa, whoa. And and the shepherds felt that. They felt fear in this reality. But listen to the message of our God, verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. Yes, God is here. Yes, this is huge. Yes, this is beyond anything you could ever imagine. Yes, nothing will ever be the same again. But don't fear. Don't fear. Why? Because of some further realities for these shepherds and for us. First of all, because don't fear because there's good news. The angel, verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy. Good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Now, you've got to spot that there. The broad scope of this message of good news. So don't be afraid because there's good news. But what's the nature of this good news? Well, it says it's good news for all the people. There is a universal scope to this message of good news that we're reflecting on here in this morning that we have been thinking of in this Advent season, to this reality. It's a, it's a broad reality for all the peoples of the world. So the question is, well, what's that got to do with these shepherds? And what's it got to do with me and with you? Well, first of all, I mean, it's an amazing reality that this truth was revealed to people like shepherds who were not respected and highly esteemed people in the culture of their day. But it goes beyond that. God goes beyond that because this good news, yes, it's broad and sort of cosmic in its scope. There is a very personal aspect to this for the shepherds. Look at verse 11. So there's, there's good news, verse 10, of a great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, you might have expected to hear, verse 10, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people, for unto all those people is born this day. But that's not what's said. There's good news for all the people, for unto you, shepherds, this angel declares for the glory of God. Unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And verse 12 makes it even clearer that this moment is specifically for these shepherds. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There's something for you to do here. There's something for, the, the, God wants you guys to encounter this. And the shepherds understood this, right? Once the heavenly host have disappeared, they know that they have a journey to take. They know that they have to respond to this. And so on the one hand, it's a message for all the peoples of the world. On the the one hand, this is for everyone. But in this moment, this was made personal for these shepherds. The message of great joy for all the people was made specific to a bunch of lowly shepherds. And it's the same with us. This reality is the same with us. On the one hand today, God is at work in billions of billions of billions of ways around about us in this world. He is at work at this kind of grand cosmic level, bringing his kingdom here on earth. On on the one hand, the message of Christmas is for all the world to know. 
But God does not just work things out only on that grand scale. He takes that good news and he appears to shepherds. And he has a plan for them. And he appears to other normal people. I mean, read the Bible. It's just God appearing to normal person after normal person and doing incredible things in their lives. And then even in how Jesus has come to us, we see that this reality is for us, that God takes this incredible, massive message of his good news and he applies it to people like us. And there's a pastor down south called Sam Albury. If you're on Twitter, he's a brilliant follow on Twitter. And he, he tweeted this yesterday. Matthew's genealogy of Christ includes the outcast, the scandalous, and the foreigner, the family Jesus comes from anticipates the family he has come for. Jesus comes from the outcast, the scandalous, and the foreigner, and he comes for those people, people like me, people like you. God comes to us in the normal, in the mundane, in the dark and dirty, as he did back then in Luke chapter two, knowing us intimately, caring for us, taking this huge eternal story for all people and pointing us to whatever sign it is that we need to see, to know and understand and embrace that reality. I want to tell you, dear friend, God wants to speak to you this morning. Not just this world, Not just Scotland, not just this culture, not just this church, not just the people around about you. God wants to speak to you, to encourage you, to assure you of his glory and of his love. We need to find Jesus too, just like the shepherds. And God will give us a sign as to how we do that. We're not looking for a manger. We're not looking for cloths that the baby was wrapped in. But but that, that was the sign for the shepherds. But God will give us a sign a way to step forward into his love. God is working out his cosmic rescue plan and he's speaking to each of us in that moment right now. I mean, don't you love it? I love that reality that right where you're sitting just now is part of this incredible broad plan that God is bringing about over centuries and centuries. What do you need to do? How is he leading you forward? to know this good news for the first time, perhaps, or to rest in it again. Maybe just even being here as part of his plan for you in that. What is Jesus asking of you as you respond to this wonderful good news? As you don't fear, this good news of great joy, a Savior has come. And now listen to the final reality that I want to flag from this passage They're surrounded by heaven's praise. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, little aside, just to bless you and help you. Little uh, Christmas day party trivia quiz help for you here. What's the answer to the question? What were the words that the angels sang to the shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem? 
No. Trick question. Because they didn't sing. It says they said, heavenly host praising God and saying. So there you go. You can Don't get caught out by that question on your Christmas Day quiz event. They're saying, they're speaking forth the praise and the glory of God. But the point is not whether they sang it or whether they said it. The point is this incredible reality that that the shepherds encountered. There they were in the middle of the night in this cold field outside Bethlehem. And moments later before them is a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God is to receive glory. So we talked about the glory is the sort of public expression of the character of God. That's, that's what happens. God's glory bursts forth from who he is. And then in worship, we give glory back to God. And if you're thinking, how, this, this seems weird. How does this work? Well, think, for example, of a sort of incredible virtuoso piano performance that you might go and see at a concert hall or something like that. The glory of a performance like that spills out from sort of within the performer himself. It, it, just, it, it goes from inside of who he is and all that he's done, and it spills out into the, the crowd. And then what's the first thing you do if you were to encounter him in the coffee time after the event? you would reflect back to him the wonder of what he spilled out. You would say, that was incredible. That movement was remarkable. This moment was incredible. This is how it impacted me. This is what's going on here. God's glory bursts forth from all that he is. And then our response to that is to reflect back, yes, God, you are perfect in glory. You are perfect in love. You are perfect in splendor. This is what is happening here. The the heavenly hosts are saying glory to God in the highest. They are declaring that God sends forth his glory and then receives it back as a wonderful testimony of who he is. So, So glory to God in the highest. And then we don't get left out in this beautiful transaction. And on earth, peace. We are to receive peace. And again, we have to picture the scene, this huge heavenly host with the glory of the Lord shining brightly and God's angels pouring forth this amazing praise about who God is and what he's doing. This was the shepherd's reality in the field outside Bethlehem. And dear friend, brother, sister, this can be our reality too. If we've ears to hear, if we've ears to hear. We are just normal people like those shepherds living lives which often feel very mundane, very dark, very cold, very dirty. But we, if we so open our hearts, can encounter the praise of God like this. We can tune in to the song or the declaration of heaven. This is so important for us to do, to continually realign our minds and our hearts with this true reality. This world is not all there is. Our day-to-day experiences That's not an accurate picture of ultimate reality. We get so bogged down with what is before us that we think that this is reality. And any talk of heaven, heavenly host, saying these beautiful words of praise, even if we believe in that, that can feel like the shadow. The reality is what I'm facing right now, how I'm feeling, the frustration I'm feeling, the difficulty I'm feeling, the schedule that I'm struggling to keep up with. This is my reality and there's this shadow that we can sometimes think about. That's not the case. That's not true. This life is the shadow. 
And there is an unseen reality that we are to look to. It's again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And in that, we begin to hear the song of heaven. The true reality of this universe is that this world resounds to the praise of God. For a couple of hours last night, I was in a terrible mood. I was in a stinking mood, and I've, I've dealt with this with my family, so I can, I can share, this, share this with you here this morning. I mean, there was no good reason for it whatsoever. I mean, Liverpool had just won the Club World Cup. And, and I, this, is so, this is so funny. It's funny now. I was not loving it last night. But Lindsay picked up immediately the mood I was in, and she was like, so what was the result of the game? And I was like, Liverpool won. She was like, really? She was absolutely convinced that that was why I was in such a stinking mood, which doesn't say a whole lot about me and my ability to manage the ups and downs of Liverpool Football Club. But, but, but I was just in such a horrible place, and I was not living well in that, and, and that was oozing forth from me and impacting our family, and it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I just... You know, you know the verse, why, why, are you so, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Like, I was genuinely asking myself, why am I, like, why am I feeling like this? Well, I don't know about you, but music's a big help to me. And sometimes when I can't shift my own feelings or thoughts, sometimes if I put a song on, it changes me. So I put on a song which is a modern version of Psalm chapter 96. God brought me to that song in quite a lovely way and I started to be drawn back to what is true. This is, this is what is true. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and all the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the world. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That is true reality. This is who our God is. This is what is going on in our world. All around us, regardless of how you're feeling or doing today, creation is resounding with praise to God. The heavenly hosts are resounding with praise to God. This is reality. And these shepherds, these normal people, were surrounded by this worship, this praise, this glorifying of God. And dear friends, we need to tune into that. 
One of my favorite songs to listen to as I drive to church here on a Sunday morning is the one that we sing fairly regularly. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns forever, all my days. Hallelujah. I drive past these houses and I hear this song that God reigns and I think, that doesn't seem to be true reality in those houses. I reflect on my own dark heart and I say, well, it doesn't even seem to be true in my own heart from time to time. But we need to remember, we need to tune in to the song, so to speak, of heaven and understand who our God is. To choose to see and to hear the wider picture of heaven resounding in praise. That is true reality. So we have glory shining forth in the dark. We have this message of good news for the world and for us, and we have this reality of being surrounded, being caught up in, if if we've ears to hear, the right and true awesome praise of God. And now we have the response of the shepherds. It says, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. Let's go, the shepherds say. The the angels leave to go back to heaven. It's dark again. It's cold again. The reality of the work and the struggle of their lives is real again. Now what? What will happen? What will come of these shepherds? Let's go, they say. Interestingly, it's not that they were told to go by the angels. They were just informed of what was there and what they would find if they went. To go was their choice. Heaven broke into their situation, but they still had a choice to make. They had to step forward. They had to get to Jesus. And it's the same with us. Heaven has broken into our lives. This is the story of what Christmas is all about. God's glory, God's gospel, God's song, but we still have a choice to make. Will we journey to Jesus? Will it be a priority for us? It was for the shepherds. In verse 20, they returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It changes you when you go to Jesus, when you respond to what he's doing, when you respond to his presence in your life. When you take that step into that rather than away from that, it changes you. You don't leave this world. You go back to normal life, but you go back rejoicing and praising and glorifying God. You go back different. And dear friends, that's not a one-time reality. We perceive who God is. We see his glory in all those ways I mentioned, shining forth. We respond to this message of good news, to this song of heaven. We respond by going to Jesus. We return to real life, and we do that over and over and over again every single day until one day we will return no more, but we will just live in that true reality right there forever and ever and ever. Go to Jesus today like the shepherds. Go to Jesus. Let's pray.
What does that mean for you this morning? Father in heaven, we open our hearts to your spirit now. We're praying for clarity just for what this means for us. To go to Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just talk about religious language. We want to acknowledge your presence here with us. We want to feel and know the reality of your glory shining forth. That we need not fear for we have a savior. There's good news for us, for me, for you. We want to know and hear, in a sense, the praise of heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Peace for us here on earth. And then like the shepherds want to say, let's go. Let's go and see this Jesus. Holy Spirit, reveal to us just one or two ways now. And we need to take this truth and make it real for 11.50 a.m. on Sunday the 22nd of December and for this coming week. Meet us in this place. We open our hearts to you now.